Recently, I was reading in Mark 15, and something caught my attention. Before they hung Jesus on the cross, we read, And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And I thought about that. Why wouldn't he drink that? God brought to my attention something which I believe shows the reason Jesus would not drink that wine that was mixed with mar. It's really pronounced mar, I think. Mar is used to combat pain, and they were giving him wine that had mar mixed with it. God reminded me of another scripture which I think explains the reason Jesus would not drink the wine mixed it with mar. In Matthew 26, verse 29, he said to his disciples at the Lord's Supper, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If he had drunk that wine at the foot of the cross before they hung him on the cross, he would have denied the word that he spoke to his disciples. And he would not deny his word. This should give us some confidence. God will not deny the word that he gives us. He will not deny that promise. For example, in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. That's a promise. That's a promise of the word of God to us. If we ask for wisdom, God will give us wisdom. It may be a little difficult to recognize the wisdom when he speaks it. Often it's a very gentle thought comes to our mind, showing us something we could do. And we almost miss it. And when we do miss it, I found God repeats it to me again and again until I recognize he's talking to me. Before I set out this recording to make on this subject, I'm always praying for God to give me podcasts which you need to hear, that I speak what he wants me to speak. The morning I was working on this podcast. I didn't have a podcast, and I said to God, I just don't have anything to speak or write. And I was reminded of looking at this scripture and being shown the reason Jesus wouldn't drink that wine. And I realized God had given me something to speak for today. Because if I don't speak what God gives me, 
then I don't have a message. For the flesh profits nothing. Only those things that God authors are profitable. So this shows me to present this message to you today on the subject of Jesus suffering for the word of God. We also suffer when we speak the word of God. Pam Paget, as a new Christian, attended a non-denominational church. At that singles class of that church, there was a woman planning to get married. This woman was a divorced woman. Pam knew the scriptures saying that if the divorced woman remarries, she commits adultery. She, she took those scriptures to this divorced woman and read the scriptures to the divorced woman. And the divorced woman said to her, I don't care what the Bible says. Pam was so shocked. How can a person who goes to church not care what the Bible says? There are many at churches who do not care what the Bible says. I have been shocked like Pam has been or was on that subject. When I have presented a scripture to them or a concept from God to them and they've just stared at me. Sometimes they'll strike out at you. I had my own cousin strike out at me about two years ago because I wrote something that God had given me and she strongly objected to it. So they might strike out at you. In Pam's case, she told this to the divorced woman who was going to marry, showed the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 7, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. Matthew 5.32, where Jesus says, if a man divorces a faithful wife and she remarries, she will commit adultery, but he will be the cause of her adultery, and the man who marries the woman that's divorced will commit adultery. Matthew 5.32, I was paraphrasing that. Pam also went to the man that the divorced woman was going to marry and told him if they married, he would commit adultery. She also went to the maid of honor and told her this marriage would be adultery. The maid of honor said, well, she knew it would be adultery, but they were going to marry anyway, so she was going to go ahead and be maid of honor. I thought of the scripture, be not partaker of other men's sins, when I heard this story. After that happening, Pam moved to another location, which was a little farther away from that church. She continued to attend the church, but she didn't go to the singles class. She just went to the main service, the 11 o'clock service. She went in to the service and sat down in the place where the singles usually sat together. And they didn't come. 
they didn't come and sit down in that area. She looked around and saw them seated in another area. The next Sunday, Pam went to the service and sat down in the other area. And they sat in the old area. The third Sunday, Pam went to the service and the singles were already seated. Pam went in and sat down in the area where they were seated and without a word to Pam, they all got up and moved to another location. Pam knew she had done something wrong, but she didn't know what. And she cried out to God, what have I done? What did I do wrong? A few weeks later, a woman in the church came to her, Pam and said, God knows how they are treating you in the singles class, and he wants you to know it's because of what you spoke to them and what you spoke was right, and he wanted you to speak that to them. So Pam was so comforted by that information. As a new young Christian, we often don't expect church people to strike out at us when we share scripture with them. But that's exactly what happens. When those church people strike out at us that way, we know they despise scripture. That tells us. Jesus, the Word of God, upheld the Word of God. Here's another example, Matthew 26. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, Peter, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And in verse 53 of Matthew 26, Jesus says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But then how shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. In order to fulfill the scriptures, Jesus went to the cross. He would not deny the scriptures, even when it cost him great suffering, great pain. To the New Testament church, Paul said, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. After we have some experience with God, we know that if we speak certain things, it could bring shame to us for the people would despise us for speaking those things. But we speak because we have heard from God and know to speak. 
The Holy Spirit who lives in us reminds us of things of God. God has taught me to follow the Spirit. If he reminds me of something, that's what he wants me to speak. I don't plan out anything ahead of time, but when I'm with someone and God reminds me of something, that's what I speak. I was with my favorite aunt, a Church of Christ member, and I heard tell her about being taken into heaven. Ooh, I didn't want to do that. Telling Church of Christ members supernatural things of God that have happened is not something that you look forward to doing. For they like to live pretty much devoid of the Spirit of God and, not, and supernatural things. I don't know how they do that because if they think of Paul, on the road to Damascus, he was born again by a supernatural act. Anyway, I heard tell her about being taken into heaven. So I did. I told her after I was born again, in the night I was sleeping, and I was transported into heaven. I was with God, I was with Christ, I was with the Holy Spirit. I didn't see any figures or images of anything. It was in the Spirit. But I knew I was with Him. And at that time I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God. God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. And a few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me again. As I was telling her this story, I saw sort of a dreamy look come on her face. And then she said to me, something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. She had had an experience with God, too. This was an aunt that was kind of the gold standard. My mother often said, what would Arda think about what she was doing? It was not, what would God think? It was, what would Arda think? And yet, I never saw her as a harsh person. She and I got along perfectly from the time that I was a baby, a child, a young child. Well, now I knew why. She was of the Spirit of God. And so was I. I wouldn't be surprised, though, that she's never told that story to anyone but me. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. I didn't tell people at our church groups that I had been taken into heaven. I was in three different churches I ever told anyone. It just never occurred to me to tell anyone. Sometimes we speak because we've been reminded of the event, but... Sometimes we're not reminded of it, we just don't speak it. Well, there's no sin in that. If God wants us to speak something, when we are with the person, we'll be reminded of it. Often you'll be with a person and you'll, you're not reminded of something, and then you leave that person and you are reminded of it. To me, that you weren't supposed to speak that to the person. 
God's just reinforcing you by reminding you after you leave the person. I don't ever feel guilty that I didn't say that to them, and I don't say I wish I'd said that to them, because I know God will bring forth that which he wants me to speak while I'm with the person, and I speak that. Often it causes you suffering. Often it causes separation from the other person. But you suffer the separation in order to present the word that you know God wants you to speak. Also, we make our own flesh suffer each time we choose to go in the way of God. Walking in that way which the Spirit has told us. Refusing to do what the flesh wants to do. There have been many times that I have been with a person and as that person is speaking, it rises up in me, my own flesh, to want to tell them off, to want to say something to them, to set them right. I know that is not the way God operates for the most part. So I pray and ask God for help. And each time I pray... It's amazing because I walk away and I realize after I've walked away that I didn't speak that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 There is no temptation taken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So if you are tempted toward adultery, there is a way to escape. If you're tempted toward fornication, there's a way to escape. If you will pray and go in the way shown you by the Spirit, you will escape. But often people want to do the fleshly act more than they want to obey God. So they go in the way of the flesh. When that happens, you can be turned over to a reprobate mind, which is a mind without God's judgment. That's in Romans chapter 1. If you refuse to keep God in your thinking, he can turn you over to a reprobate mind. So we know that. But the main reason that I obey God when I obey is because of the word itself because of that love of the word of God I many times have spoken the word given me by God and had everybody in my own household leave me that is not unusual as a new Christian, I was facing a court trial. A woman was taking me to court over a, a situation that happened in my business that I owned. She was just trying to get money, but nevertheless, I had to go through the trial. I heard a word from God. Don't testify. I told my lawyer he might not want to represent me at that trial, 
because I had heard from God not to testify. So I would not be able to testify. The lawyer said, no, we'll win that case even if you don't testify because Flo witnessed the situation. Flo worked for me at my business and she saw what happened. With her testimony, he said, well, you'll win the trial. So he said, I'll represent you even though you don't testify. He said, now, if you testified, I know we'll win. But he said, I think we'll win with Flo's testimony. I never dreamed I would have a problem with Flo. But when she heard I was not going to testify, she was angry. And she said to me, now... Since you're not testifying, the burden's all on me. I said, well, what can I do? I believe God's told me don't testify, so I can't testify. At that time, the man I was dating came to me and said, Joan, you are not doing this woman any good by not testifying. And I said to him, I'm not trying to do her any good. I'm trying to do what I believe God has said to me, and that is, don't testify. I knew he didn't understand, Flo didn't understand. Both of them called themselves Christians, and both of them were upset with me because I wasn't going to testify. The first day of the court trial, my lawyer said to me, things aren't going as well as I thought they would go. Flo's testimony wasn't as strong as I thought it would be. But if you will testify, we will win this case. I said, well, I'll see. And I went into the restroom and I prayed, God, what do you want me to do? And I heard, don't testify. So I went back into the courtroom and my lawyer looked at me and I just shook my head no. I did not testify, but along the way of a two-day trial, my faith really diminished. And I said to God, I hope you know what we're doing because you're going to cause us to lose this case. Well, God didn't cause us to lose the case. We won the case. But even if we had lost the case, God knew what he was doing. And I was obeying him, and that was the only thing required. Obey God. Do what he says. There's a scripture I came across recently, and I just love that scripture. I'll share it with you. It's Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. If you have heard a word from God, nothing can stand against it. There's no wisdom that can explain it away. There's no counsel. There's no understanding against that word. You do that word. If you've heard don't testify, you do that word. You do the word given you by God. There is nothing that counts against it. Once again, that scripture, there is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord, the Lord being the Word. Every time you see the word the Lord, what you really should think of is the Word. Before Jesus came in the flesh to the earth, he was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. He came to earth for a brief time in the form of a human to die for our sins. But Jesus is the word. So every time I see the word Jesus, like when he said, I am the way, what is he meaning? I, the word, am the way. The word is the way to go. The word that is given to you by the Holy Spirit is the way to go. The Holy Spirit lives in each of us who believes. He lives in us. He searches the heart of God to know the will of God for us. And he brings to our mind the way to go, which is the will of God. When we walk in the Spirit, we are following the Holy Spirit and what he has brought to our mind. When we walk in the flesh, we are following the desires of the flesh, which are exactly opposite to the way of God. Romans 1 says there's no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We have both the flesh and the Spirit, and we choose between the two of them which way we're going to go. The flesh wants us to hate people and tell them off. The Spirit will control the flesh if we let the Spirit reign. And we can bridle our tongue by that which God gives us. And if any man doesn't bridle his tongue, then his religion is in vain. He can say he's the most religious person around. And we can think he's the most religious person around. But if he fails to bridle his tongue, his religion is in vain. James chapter 1 tells us that. I had a woman in our own church group who had been there 39 years. She once told me I was the most godly person she had ever met. She ended up railing out at me. How could that happen? Well, she, her religion was definitely in vain. If you can't control your tongue, your religion is in vain. If you can't bridle your tongue by the word of God, by turning to God, your religion's in vain. We must bridle our tongue. There are many times that I could say something to someone, but I stop and think, and now that could needlessly hurt that person. It's just a secular matter. You may think they have the wrong color of dress on. Once a woman told me that the color of the paint in my bathroom was the wrong color. Well, after she told me that, I could never go into that bathroom again without thinking of what she said. She ruined it for me without reason. There isn't a right color or a wrong color. That's just a fleshly preference. We should not hurt people by our own fleshly preferences. We should guard against that. Of late, I have been really careful about that. You don't want to do that. Why would you do that? Just pride, pride in you. But if it's for the word's sake, you speak. When they came to John the Baptist, what did he say to them? Oh, generation of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath of God? 
Well, that doesn't sound very kind, does it? Jesus once said exactly the same thing to them. He called them a generation of vipers. There are times to be harsh. But you don't want to do it over some kind of fleshly preference. Because that's evil. So we bridle our tongues. We learn to bridle our tongues over fleshly things. But when you deny the flesh and will not let it do what it wants to do, you cause your flesh to suffer when you follow God. Some people think the flesh improves. It doesn't improve. It never gets better. You are born with the works of the flesh inside you. It never improves. You control the flesh by the Word of God, by following the Spirit of God. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not do the things of the flesh. So, we learn what the works of the flesh are, and we learn to recognize the Spirit of God when He brings thoughts to our mind, and to go in the way of the Spirit instead of in the way of the flesh. And we have to know that in the flesh there's no good thing. Romans 7, that's what Paul said. But how do you control it if you don't even know what the works of the flesh are? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 tells us what the works of the flesh are. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, which is following superstitions, hatred, variance, emulations, that's trying to outdo other people, wrath, which is wanting people to get what you think is coming to them, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, Murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Revilings would be partying. When I'm watching television news and they show a bunch of college students all together drinking and partying, I just hate it. I hate seeing that. I just think, how could they do that? How could they enjoy doing that? It's because they're flesh. That's what the flesh does. And Paul said, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the flesh. The spirit will not take us that direction. The spirit will take us an opposite direction. In the point of time at which the temptation arises, Very often the Spirit will rise up in us to remind us of the way of God, which is the opposite way of the temptation. And if that does not happen in you, and you really want to avoid the temptation, just cry out to God, God, help me. Please don't let me do this. Please don't let me say that. You're going to find that if you want God to help you, He will. 
First Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. As we follow the Spirit of God, as we walk in the Spirit, we will not go in the way of the flesh. But we can go in the way of the flesh if we really want to. But if you don't want to, there's help, help from God to keep you from going in the way of the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. They don't follow after the works of the flesh. But after the Spirit, they do the things the Spirit of God has told them to do. In verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, we read, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. John chapter 8, verses 31, 32. Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Continuing in his word, walking after that which the Spirit of God has brought to our mind. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free if you continue in his word. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Now, who is the Lord? The word. So you can read that like this. I have set the word always before me because he, the word, is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. John 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's in you? The Holy Spirit, Jesus. The Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in each of the believers. He's inside us. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is inside us. He reminds us of the way of God. And because we have that advantage, then greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and we overcome because of that call to our mind by the Spirit of God. They are of the world, says John. Therefore speak they of the world. Their ideas are of man, of the world. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John chapter 6, Jesus said, verse 33, For the bread of God is he, the word, 
which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. That word given us by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that word that is brought to our mind on the subject at hand, that is the bread of heaven, that is the Lord's Supper, the word of God. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world, the he being Jesus the word. The word lives in us. Now that's a very helpful concept. I keep it on my meditation list and read it almost every morning and every evening. To the New Testament church, we read the following. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, says Paul. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ, the Word, is in you except ye be reprobates? 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19.20 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God? Of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are the church. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't go to church. We are the church. One time I was going to a luncheon at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, when I lived there. It was across the street from First Methodist Church in downtown Lubbock, the luncheon. At our table, a woman proudly pointed to the Methodist Church and said, That's my church. And I said, We are the church. And she said, She said, We're the church. I'm not the church. She said, We're the church. Well, she probably wasn't the church, but I am. Because the Spirit of God lives in me. You are the church if the Spirit of God lives in you. We are the church. And when two or more of us are gathered together, there is Jesus gathered with us, in the midst of us. We are the church wherever we go. Whether it's a grocery store, whether it is the theater, Wherever we go, we are the church. And when we meet another person who has the Spirit of God, that person is the church. When we have the same Spirit as that person, but the Spirit of God is in us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think that helps in fighting the flesh. The world wants to think they can do good things, that the flesh of man can do good things. But the Bible teaches just the opposite. In the flesh, there's no good thing. We walk in the Spirit, in what God has shown us to do. Romans chapter 8, For if ye live after the flesh, 
ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Don't let the body do what it wants to do. That's verse 13 of Romans 8. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And it is by the Spirit of God that we crucify the flesh and keep it under control. And we do that by calling out to God and by keeping specific scriptures in front of us day and night to enable us to have the power to go in the way of God. But all who follow the Spirit will suffer persecution, usually from the church. When we speak to them scripture, showing them that what they do is wrong, when we share what God has done for us, those who take pride in the flesh will not want to hear that. We will suffer persecution as we follow God. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That simply means speak the word of God that the Holy Spirit gives you. When he gives you the word of God, it's not that we plan ahead of time what to say. I never do that. I always pray that God will have me say what he wants me to say. And it's called to my attention and I speak it when I'm with another person. I don't plan ahead of time what I'm going to say. I don't even plan ahead of time what I'm going to say to you on these broadcasts. I try to follow the Spirit. When he reminds me of something, that is what I speak. For I know that does the work of God in our lives, and that's what you need to hear. There was a time I had to present judgment messages on radio. The Seattle radio station manager was waiting for me outside the door of my meeting room, and he said, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. But if you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. The Holy Spirit rose up inside me, and these words came out of my mouth. George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, and I may as well be off the air. And that's the truth. The flesh profits nothing, says Jesus. It is the spirit that quickeneth, makes us alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. And Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I believe that's in John chapter 6, verse 63. The flesh profiteth nothing. Those things that we plan out with our own mind profit nothing. One time, one of our church members was planning to meet with her adult-aged son. He had separated from his second wife. She was planning to meet with him, and she said there were many things she wanted to tell him, and she was making out a list of things to tell him. And I happened to call her about 30 minutes before they were to meet, and when I heard her plan that she had made out all these things she was going to tell her son, I said, don't do that. Just pray and ask God what you should say. 
and speak that when it's called your memory. She did what I said, and afterwards she told me there wasn't anything on her list that she talked to her son about. God took her in the way he wanted her to go. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.